Hello folks, if you just now are tuning in, well, we're now on our second show of Talking Clean in a Dirty World. This is an extension of our pad podcast, which is Beyond Clean with Ace. Now, this is a monthly show. It's a panel discussion about cleaning industry challenges, well, solutions, you know, things that are facing facility maintenance individuals. You know, if you're a manager, a supervisor, well, even an owner of either a building service contracting business, or maybe just an in-house maintenance operations, this show is for you. Hi, I'm Dave Thompson. I'm the director of the Academy of Cleaning Excellence, author of the new generation of cleaning, and a past owner-operator of a BSC. <laughs> you know, if you've heard me on my podcast, you know I always have a lot to talk about. Well, my opinions don't always line up with that of my colleagues every time. So, as you can tell, I have some people that are joining me today. And um, let's kind of go around the board here a little bit. And uh, let's, well, Bobby, you're up there at the top. So, uh, let's hear from you first. Oh, hey, I'm Bobby Zagers. And uh I uh, work at Gem Supply, which is a uh, uh, janitor supply house that's been around since 1930, and uh, I get the to participate in sales and marketing there. So that's my background. All right. Well, I guess Don, you're up next. Good day, Dave. Since I don't know when this will actually be sent out. Uh, Don Tracy, I've been with Gem Supply since 2006. Um, I've been a Jan Sand salesperson, selling supplies for probably 30 couple of years all around the industry. Everything from distribution to manufacture. Uh, I like being in sales on the distribution end the best. I get to deal with the everyday people out there doing everyday things and helping them find solutions. That's what I do. That's what you do. And since we're not all in sales or in teaching, Javier, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of the odd man out on this group, I guess, huh? Yeah, a little bit, slightly. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, good morning, Dave. Uh, thank you for having me again. Um, my name is Javier Quarta. My wife and I are uh, building services contractors in the Tampa Bay area. We're proprietors of a company called Modern Cleaning Solutions. Um, and we focus on uh, environmental friendly green cleaning janitorial services uh, and we uh you know we as i said we cover the tampa bay area so uh you know we have a pretty broad uh span of, of spectrum of, of this and we've been in business since 2017. okay folks and all the in sales too yeah, yeah, Javier's in sales. He's just—he's just—he's got—he's the uh, guy actually out there still doing the work. I, I'm chief cook and bottle washer. I do everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? When you own your own business, that's about what you do, isn't it, Javier? Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't stop. <laughs> well, well, folks, I got to tell you, there's a couple of things I'm going to start off with here, but uh, we we had a taping of this that was scheduled before, and. Uh, just to let you know, things don't always go as planned. And uh, for Javier, uh, he got a real surprise on a Monday morning. Uh, it wasn't quite what you expected a Monday to start with. Like, what was it, Javier? 
No, it was not. It was one of the worst surprises I've ever had uh, since we've been in business. I had a client call me uh, shortly after Dave's situation with his tire. Uh, and uh, basically what happened was one of my employees showed up inebriated, uh, drunk from the night before. Uh, which I always tell my people, look, you know, we're all adults. I don't care that you drink or whatever. That's fine. But when you can be responsible, when you show up to a client's place to do your job, you know, we, we don't want you being in that state. Well, anyway, on top of not doing, not following our directions and our orders, this person also got sick at my client's place. <laughs> so I, mean, I apologize for that behavior. <laughs> <laughs> So on top of he's supposed to be there to clean the place, he throws up all over the place. So yeah. I, needless to say, I, I shared this with Dave the other day. I had a very nasty phone call from this person. Now, I had to make a personal apology, and then we were able to get the situation cleaned up, and, and we're, we're, he's not going to go with another company. But uh, uh, needless to say, this other gentleman, this is a couple times that this has happened, and uh, he's no longer with us. Well, you know, and, and, and folks, this is why we're talking about this on our show here is because this is something that is real life that happens all the time in different ways, different situations. But, you know, that was the way our Monday started. So uh, we, we have made it to the taping of this, gentlemen. But I also have a correction that I have to make uh, for the simple reason that, well, I made a mistake on our first show and I called something the wrong thing, had the wrong spelling for it. So I'm going to correct that issue to start with. The virus uh, that uh, came about last year, uh, as I researched, uh, around August of 21, uh, which is now kind of spreading a little bit, is Marburg, not Marbug. Although it is a bug, <laughs> it's a virus. Uh, it's an Ebola-like uh, virus that... Uh, has a very high mortality rate. Uh, mm -hmm. It uh, basically what they're finding out is that it comes from uh, fruit bats. So in the South American countries, this is uh, something of an issue because uh, that's where it comes from. But as you can understand, with all of our viruses, it seems like that we've been dealing with gentlemen. Um, they're coming from all over the world, and they land here. So while it may not be monkeypox right now, it is something to keep on the agenda. And uh, if I may, Dave, frankly, if if we if all there was to worry about would be more monkeypox, we would be in the clear. But Marburg is a thousand times worse. I mean, anything that's part of the hemorrhagic fever family of Lhasa, Hanta, Marburg, all those things uh, that are. Uh, like Ebola, those are the, the deadliest diseases on earth that we know of, you know, demand. So, I mean, those are, like you said, high mortality rate and very high, highly virulent. They spread quickly. And, you know, like you said, too, when with uh, with international travel, the way our technology is today, with anybody just jumping on an airplane and going from one point to the earth to the other in a matter of hours. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty scary. Javier, did, did, when you you obviously looked it up and, and know about mm -hmm. it, is it human to human? Can it be? A it's, it's trans. Yes, Bobby. It's transmitted by bodily fluid contact, just like Ebola. So there's not a strain that they know of that is uh, aerosolized as of yet. But if you're in contact with a person who has Marburg, and let's say, uh, 
you know, you're treating him. Usually it happens to healthcare professionals. Let's say you're treating him. He's gravely ill. He, you know, defecates himself, urinates himself or vomits or whatever. If you're in contact with that and that sec those secretions get into your bloodstream by via of, you know, you know, your eyes, your hands, your mouth or whatever, then, then yeah, you can get, um, uh, get, uh, contract the virus, uh, quickly. Do you know but, what the percent was fatal? Do you remember that? Uh, well, the, the fatality rate, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent up to speed on that. I know I was, when I, when we, this whole thing started actually with the Ebola thing, when Ebola first hit back in 15, although we, we hadn't started our business yet, but I, you know, I just found it kind of interesting and was kind of wanted to be prepared with what we were dealing with when, you know, when we heard that sick people were coming here from other parts of the world, from Africa and all that, um, I had researched it and I still try to keep up with these types of things, but uh, I know that with Ebola, it had like a 90% mortality rate, something like that, 95%. Now, with this one, I don't it's know. The because it, yeah, it's the same. It first showed up in Germany. That's that's why they call it Marburg uh, back in the 80s. And, you know, they really, I think that they can speculate just like they did, but uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what, what, the, uh, what, what the mortality rate, but I know it's very deadly. Same it says thing. it's 24 to 88%. So 24 to 88%? Hmm. Wide range. Yeah, and if you think about this, gentlemen, you know, Ebola hasn't went away. It's still there. It's just not prevalent. So this is the more prevalent one of, of today. But protocols in a lot of our PPE and the way we don and doff those were changed because of Ebola. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, when Ebola hit, if you remember, when they brought those two American missionaries uh, from Africa to the U.S. to treat them here at Emory in Georgia, they uh, they had to step up the hospitals. Although there was only three major hospitals that had enough PPE and had enough equipment to be able to deal with those types of viruses. But even with that said, they had to really, like, you know, really work on their suits, uh, their, their positive pressure suits and work on, you know, different types of environmental things within the hospital itself so other people would not get, you know, or, or, or they could contain it easier, I should say. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> the, uh, well, you know, the, re Javier, the reason on the, Marburg, on the Marburg virus, Javier, did it, does it, are you, uh, what are the symptoms? And then are you contagious? Do you remember when you read up on it? Are you contagious when you have the symptoms or before you have symptoms? Well, you're, you're typically, it's like Ebola. You're, the incubation period is about a week. So you're usually asymptomatic for about four to five days. And then usually it's like it's the, the, the symptoms, once the, the, the virus gets into your system and starts to develop, um, then you'll get the same, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, things like Ebola. You'll get high fever, starts with high fever, uh, you know, headaches, chronic headache. Uh, then it attacks your stomach and you'll have vomiting, diarrhea. Um, and then usually you'll start to bleed, uh, because like Ebola, the Marburg virus attacks the, the, the red blood cells, and it basically does not allow your blood to coagulate from within, within the infection. So you bleed out. So you'll bleed through your eyes, your nose, any orifice of your body, pretty much. And that blood itself, that's another thing I forgot to mention that that blood is extremely, extremely, uh, toxic or, you know, contagion. <clears throat> Well, and also fatal because it's in your bloodstream. Correct. Yeah, it's not in a, in a single organ or a single region. It's in your bloodstream, so that's why it's so fatal. 
you know, this is a conversation, and I, I like this because what this proves is, you know, I think there's a lot of people that may uh, have not watched our show, not aware of what we talk about, but, you know, this just shows you from the level of a building service contractor to the providers of product, we have to be on top of all of these issues, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, we do, because, you know, we, we don't know you know, sometimes we lose fact as how serious these types of illnesses are and the potential that they can and make their way, you know, basically, in other words, you know, being complacent is not a good thing, you know, saying, well, you know, the chances are it's not going to happen. It's not going to be in one of the buildings that we clean or it's not going to be that's, you know, especially today, um, as I mentioned before, you know, with with the way travel is and the way people get around, uh, it, that would be a real impractical approach. I mean, you know, a person, because like I said, it's it's got a five or six day incubation period. So a person could conceivably get sick with this and, and be sick and not even show any symptoms and then arrive here. And let's say they work or they're visiting a person that works in one of these buildings that we clean in. And then they could, you know, maybe start becoming symptomatic at that time. And then, you know, it spreads to one person and another person, another person. And then, yeah, you got to you got the you know epidemic and pandemic on your hands and then it becomes you know that's nothing nothing to laugh about don you're 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 the guy out there you know that's working out out in the field with these people all the time and and seeing what's happening um do you do you see that uh, i mean we talked about this a little bit last time um do people really get this now i mean we're at the end of 22 or progressing are are they are they getting complacent like Javier is talking about and just kind of saying, oh, the, oh, the virus is gone, so let's go back to what we're doing? Well, it's funny you ask that because that's what I was sitting here thinking. I was trying to relate to all the different things we've been through in my career, um, going all the way back to uh, the viruses we had in the 70s and 80s, et cetera. Different things have popped up. MRSA was a big deal at one point in time, you know, and that seems like such a non-starter now. But yeah, people get complacent. Once, even with um, even with our current pandemic situation, I, I see folks that still are masking up, and other folks are just just don't care. I mean, they're they're tired and they're done with it. They haven't been affected by it, or they know somebody that's gotten it, and it wasn't that big a deal, so they figure they can handle it. So, complacency is what we always deal with. But the bigger issue, I think, is the fact that that folks don't realize in our industry. We're talking about our industry mainly. Folks in our industry, like I said before, they come in here, they have no idea what we're dealing with uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. And we were dealing with everybody's uh, excrement, for lack of a more polite word. Everything we throw <laughs> off, from the, the dust in the building to the, to the restroom facilities, everything is created by human beings. And so human beings are throwing all this stuff off, and we don't know what they have. So... In the industry, we get very complacent with how we deal with all of those. You see folks, I still see folks to this day that aren't wearing gloves and dealing with, with things that they should be wearing gloves for. I mean, everything. It, it's just, unless it becomes a hot button or a hot, uh, hot news item, people just get complacent and forget about it and think it's no big deal because they treat it like they would at home. If their kid gets sick at home, they don't glove up and mask up and do all that. They just go deal with it. Well, if a person gets sick at work, you don't know who that person is or what's going on with them, and you can't deal with it like you do your kid at home. So no, there is there's that that dichotomy of, of 
attitude that we have to deal with all the time. And it, that it keeps us in business. I mean, that's what we talk about all the time. I, I spend a lot of time during the pandemic. I spent a lot of time educating people what was really important and what wasn't. Uh, going back to, you know, spraying every inch of the building down for a virus, it does not transmit that way. And it was said in the beginning, and it's still true today. It's the only thing that CDC actually said was the virus didn't transmit through the air. It transmitted on molecules. It transmitted on moisture. Well, that has to transmit from person to person or from molecule to molecule. Spraying down the entire building means nothing because somebody could walk into that building and spray that pandemic out or that virus out and then it's reinfected. So it was just the information overload is where we're at. I think people get to a point where they can't, they can't absorb it anymore. They're not in the industry like we are. They're not paying attention to it like we do. It's like a doctor. Doctor knows so much more than we do when we walk in they have a whole encyclopedia in their head of what could be when we have a symptom. And we walk in, we have a, an entire book of, uh, of results and, and situations we've dealt with over the years. Pretty much we can analyze within a few minutes what the situation is and give them a solution to it. But people don't, in their everyday life, they don't think that way. It's just the nature of the beast. Keeps us in business. Well, you know, this kind of leads me to my next topic I want to discuss today, gentlemen. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've had the opportunity to go out and work with a couple of uh, our facility <laughs> advisors. And one of the things that still strikes me, and I knew it was going to go on, but, you know, until you get out there, Don, like you are, you don't really see it happening. But, you know, they called us out there for an issue. And on both of these, it was a synthetic floor that had years of buildup of basically dirty finish. Uh, people not, you know, applying finish correctly. And applying the wrong type of finish for the synthetic floor. Well, they want to know, could we correct the issue? Yeah, we could correct the issue. But you know what? Well, the interesting thing is the outcome afterwards. Purchasing versus facility maintenance. And this is what we see, right? Uh, purchasing only looks at it for the aesthetic value and the price per. But maintenance, facility maintenance individuals look at it as far as what they've got to do to take care of it. And, and that was so prevalent this week. We were on a rubber floor at a recreational facility, removed the finish, and we put down a protectant. So it's just a, 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 a diluted product to protect the floor. But then he said, oh, can we make it shine? Because I know purchasing is going to come over here and want that. So we had our shield there, and we put down a coat of that. Purchasing walks over, and within seconds made a decision. Yep, we're going to do that shine. And he tells them, he says, you know, we got all this maintenance that we're going to have to do and everything. And I was thinking about the disinfectant bottle that I saw sitting on the counter that simply had green tape on it with disinfectant written in a magic marker. Ding, 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 ding. So, you know what, uh, you know, here you go. We're, are we out of our pandemic? Are we now just, you know, and then are we actually purchasing and doing things? Because here we had a solution to remove what they'd been doing in both of these cases. Now, I'm not talking just about one. Both, the other one was an elementary school. And they just want to go back to what they were doing before. Yeah. It's also the hot button of the day. You know, it's like you said, the, the purchasing folks who are making the decision, they wanted a shiny floor. 
they don't care how it gets done. They don't even know why they want a shiny floor. They just think they want a shiny floor. So the facility maintenance person has to do what they want, even though it may not be the best thing for that scenario. It's always it's always going to be that way. People in power of you know making the writing the checks or pulling the strings and getting things done, they have an image of what they want to. They have an image that they're looking for many times, and then all the facility people have to fit that image somehow into a a budget and be into scenarios with the amount of people they have, et cetera. So it's always the give and take and, you know, the push and pull that the world we're in. People want things, but they don't want to pay for it. They want it to look all pretty, but they don't want to spend the money to keep it that way. And they want it clean and disinfected, but they won't do the procedures needed to do that. I think that may land land a little bit more on us than uh, the purchasing department, because if we're not showing the value for the custodial to that they can show up to purchasing or decision makers that that lands more on us than than the purchasing department side of it i mean i've i've seen plenty of scenarios where dave's talked about in the purchasing side where the purchasing has gotten in the way of what we think might be a successful program but it but if we're not doing our job of of articulating that correctly giving them the type of information they need other than it's shiny that might be might fall to us a little bit more than to them because i've i've seen a lot of great purchasing departments that work with custodial that do that have partnerships with us or with other um types of distribution who do be able to who are able to push and uh um, do things that are unique going to aqueous ozone going to different types of uh, flooring programs um, even from going back when we took people from traditional mopping to microfiber mopping to get that through purchasing wasn't, hey, this mop's better and the floor looks cleaner. You had to show why it was saving water, why it was saving chemical, why it was saving labor. And if we don't do that part of the job, then shame on us, not shame on the purchasing department. That, that yeah, I would agree with that. But a lot of times you have to you have to marry all those things together. And sometimes if um, if you get a perfect world, the person you're speaking with usually our facility manager type person mm-hmm. is proactive and wants to do that. A lot of times they'll bring us in and let us explain it along with them to their purchasing folks. But many times the purchasing folks are in a different world. They're in Tennessee or Kentucky or someplace well, else. That's, yeah, that's where we have to get more sophisticated and we have to create the spreadsheet yeah, we and we have to talk in the language of the purchasing person. Yeah. If we're talking in the lang- if we're only talking in the language of the custodian and not talking in the language that they understand in purchasing or, and it's not even necessarily purchasing, it could just be his boss. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's the language yeah. we need to speak. And, and that's a sophisticated DSR, you know, and and that's what we all strive to to get in our organizations. And and Don, you've done that many times. So- um, Well, I think we're no, we're no different than the rest of the world. Uh, you know, like, you know, you're the boss and, and how hard yeah. is it to hire good quality salespeople out there now? But it, it's- yeah. We as an industry are feeling everything that all the other industries are feeling. I talk to people every day and even in my just everyday travels, uh, folks that cry in the field right now is I can't find anybody who wants to work. And if they want to work, they don't want to stick around and learn the job. It is is a bizarre time we're in. And I think that's our biggest challenge right now is trying to find folks who are willing to learn, willing to to excel in what they do, take pride in what they do. Uh, Yes, I heard the term quietly quitting. Yeah, yeah. Day. yeah and, uh, people who have the job but just don't really do what they used yeah. to do. They don't yeah. do it. 
they, they won't work or they just do just enough to get by and you know they move along it's, it's amazing to me. Well, you know, if, if I may, I'll I chime in. Actually, I, I agree with, with both you guys. I agree with you, Don, and with Bobby. I think that, um, you know, it it is challenging. It is hard, but it is. I, I agree with Bobby that it's our responsibility. It's part of it, our responsibility to, to educate. I mean, it's all about education, right? I mean, I think that when people know the reason what they're getting into and why they have to be doing this, they, they have a tendency to to uh, over you know to to go with what you're trying to tell them but I mean from the chain of command like Don is saying that I, I understand that as well where it can be challenging because you're you know it like you said it could be you're you know you're trying to uh, some somebody in purchasing that's in you know the other side of the country and you may not even be able to talk to this person or get a hold of them but um, it doesn't you know that, that kind of doesn't take away that we still have to continue to keep trying no matter what well, gentlemen, education is always important. And from somebody that makes a living on education, I totally get this. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's very difficult to educate somebody that only sees one picture, and that's that appearance picture. Uh, it's been a struggle of a cleaning industry ever since I've been in it. It still is one today. But, Bobby, I agree with you. We have much more sophisticated ways. And I think that you know, the pandemic has done a great thing for us. It's made people listen differently, but we have to be the ones to take up that, that torch and the challenge and, and change the way we're doing. And this is exactly what we're doing here today, gentlemen. I thank you for all being here and taking some of your time because this is the way we need to now communicate to people differently. Um, you know, Bobby, I think it's one interesting thing as we start to look at this you know, technology and in, in cleaning has changed. And one of the things that you pushed me to do was to do podcasting and to do YouTube videos in a different way. Now, I was always doing YouTube videos, but, you know, I posted a, a clip, a, a, a less than 10 second clip of that rubber thing. Uh, and today... Now, I only did that on Thursday morning. We're talking, this is Friday around noon. It's already had 20,000 views. Yeah. For less than 10 yeah. seconds of time. Hey, welcome to the 20, 21st century, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the funny thing about that, Don, is that, like, we, he says 20,000 views, and we're like, oh, but the, in reality, yeah, we're nothing. 30 million views. But we're in a, we're kind of in a, uh, I mean, how many people are jumping on YouTube to learn about, uh, to watch this and yeah. to hear what's going on in the janitor supply uh, world, janitor service world? It's not the same audience as a Joe Rogan or whatnot, but Correct. Try to, to try to get the maximum amount of the people that are interested in these subjects. Um, that's fantastic. That's yeah. a, that's but, a you know, the thing is, since, the, since you, you, you said this and pushed me towards this and everything, you know, our viewership has went up 10% in the last 30 days as a result of using this technology. So gentlemen, I, I think last show we started talking about technology. Let's continue that a little bit more um, because you know we're, I'm talking about the social media and the internet and all of this, because that's where my space is now. Um, that's not the same for you guys out there in the field all the time, but you have to integrate it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Okay. Uh, definitely, you know, you, you 
technology you got to use it to 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 your best to, to what you're doing um i like for example i mean we 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 large we focus on a large social media campaign not that large we do more in um uh, seo the search engine optimization we're big on that for our company we do that a lot uh, but we also you know we know that facebook and instagram and all that kind of stuff is big so you know those are those are definitely main focuses and people say well why would you if you're a janitor why would you want to go on instagram or why would you want to go on facebook i mean how is that you know I mean, the average person's on Facebook are going to looking looking at cleaning companies. Well, it, it may not make a main major difference in the small, but I think in the long run it does. You know, because people are still word of mouth and people talk to each other and you know and say, hey, you know, hey, you know, hey, I got my office clean last week. This this company came over. They did good. Uh, do you know anybody? And you know, so on and so forth. So, I think it, it does make a a difference with with that kind of stuff. No, oh, and people do Google you, so they're going to Google right. your company, and if. And if you look a little, and that's just more of the creating that uh, legitimate uh, um, reason that they may choose you over another person. Yeah, um, I was going to say I was researching present. something. I was researching something yesterday, Bobby, and uh, what Javier was just saying. I was just thinking to myself, Bob, Javier, what what would be in today's world? What's going on? Is it's still people when you Google somebody, you Google a company, for instance. I was looking for a glass mm -hmm. company to fix a, a pane of glass, and you get all these glass companies and you click on it and there's just nothing there. There's an address, a phone number, a contact point, blah, blah, blah. There's just nothing there. Wouldn't it be cool if you just had a little quick podcast? Hey, I'm Don Tracy. I got this glass company. I really do cool glass. You got to call me. Call me. I'll help you out. I mean, five seconds of just a personal message stuck on there as a pod would get so much traction other than just a listing of your company, which is what people are still defaulting to. It's amazing to me that in today's world, so many companies haven't figured out that this is easy. Stick it on there. Stick a podcast. Do it just informal with your phone. Put it on there. It would elevate everybody's presence on on the Google searches in such a manner that it would just it would freak them. You know, they, they people just up. I'm old. <laughs> I'm going to be 69 years old in, in another week or two, and I'm still keeping up with this as best I can. And it just amazes me the folks that are a lot younger than me that have just poo pooed it and said, "Well, it's not important." Dude, you have no idea how important it is. Like Bobby says, 20,000 views is nothing. 20 million views is just a starter in these kind of things. We're talking worldwide, not just people think they think locally when they think they need to think globally. Right. If you start thinking globally, the local stuff will show up. I mean, if you think so, globally, you, know you go after the global, just think of the little piece you'll get local. <laughs> it's amazing. You know what's interesting about that part of your conversation there, Don, is that uh, the manufacturer of the machine that I happen to be using to do this demonstration with and, and happen to be in the video for this one contacted me and said, thank you very much. You have no idea how many of these units you're selling for me. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a trickle up, a trickle down. It goes everywhere. But it's so simple. You ask for a commission check? Yeah, we get a commission off that. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Dude? Where's the gem supply? <laughs> you know, and I agree, Don. You know, and I think it shows a lot of self confidence of your business too, in and of yourself, because people like to associate a face that's telling them something about something versus reading it. Because yeah. reading can get monotonous and it's boring. I mean, it's like everybody else. You know, we always Google something. I scroll down, like you just said, you scroll down ten companies and. Okay, so some have a good rating or whatever. They're five-star rated, four-star rated, whatever. But there's nothing telling you about that company. But yeah. like you said, if you see you put a face with it, 
you know, small segment or whatever. I don't care yeah. about the ratings because ratings are bogus, just like every ratings. Right. Ratings sure. are like opinions to me. They mean nothing. Yeah. Everybody's got one. So I went on a charter. I went on a charter fishing trip with a guy down in the Keys. He had 356 five star ratings. No other. No four, no three, no two, no one. He was perfect 356 times. And it was yeah, by far yeah. the worst trip ever. Yeah, worst captain all ever in a row. <laughs> he wrote all the great reviews. The guy that I chose to do whatever, every, in any situation, when I choose a guy to do something for my house, I want to meet this guy. I want to talk to him. I want to hear his voice on the phone. I can tell through the phone whether the guy is either A, in the business, and B loves his business. If he does, he probably is going to do a good job at it. It's a it's a personal thing. We've gotten past the personal stuff, and we need to get back to that. Even in our industry, we need to get back to that personal stuff and, and put a face with the name. And then people people will connect with people. They connect visually. They connect with folks. They don't connect with websites and uh, you know literature and all the other stuff. They don't connect to that. They don't care about that. Most people. In today's world, everybody knows everything about everything. They can find it on their phone in 10 seconds with a little bit of Google. They want to know who they're dealing with, especially when they're going to spend money. I spend money with people I deal with. I like the person. I'll spend money with them. Just old school. So, Don, are, are, are we still having issues getting those things that you want? Or uh, that customers need? I don't understand the question. <laughs> 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 Clarify. Well, I mean, you know, we, you know, we, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I'll guarantee you what I've started doing a lot more purchasing of products on the internet simply because I go to a local supply and they don't have it. Well, that is that's the that's the secondary tier of challenges. I mean, it, you can have a great company, you can have a great podcast, and if you don't live up to the charge, you're not going to get any business. People only give you one chance. If you, you know, if you walk into the store and you're looking for the widget and they don't have that widget and that's what they said they sell, you're probably not going to go back there for any more widgets. That's just rule of thumb. If you don't have it, there's plenty of other people they can find that do. Now, some of the supply issues we have right now is that if your local widget company's out of widgets, probably the guy down the street's out of widgets too because nobody has any widgets. So I'm running into that every situation. Uh, you know, if but it's good for us. I mean, if we have the things, I try to tell folks you got to be flexible. You can't just say I need I need this product A that I've bought for twenty years. Well, product A may not be available, or it just may be going through the roof in price. You got to look at the alternatives. There's product B, C, and D out there that might suffice for you. Might not be your you know tier one product that you'd like to have in your hotel, your motel, your school, whatever. But it is acceptable, and in today's world, we're getting to where you're going to have to accept acceptable. Because if you don't, you're going to be without. Supply chains are disrupted from A to Z. Mm -hmm. So there is a, there's still a little bit of a culture of, I've always got it this way and I want it that way. Well, that's fine. You can want it all you want, but you're not going to be able to get it. I think people are starting to realize that's the case because I'm not getting as much pushback as I used to when I told people well, that's not available anymore. They are starting, they're probably hearing it from everywhere and every person and everything, every, every scenario in their life. Uh, you go in a restaurant. Uh, the menu is much shorter in most places than it used to be. They don't. They can't get this item anymore. They can't even. You know, I was in a pizza shop last night getting a pizza. The guy said, "I don't have any boxes here. You have to take it this way." And he had an aluminum foil. I was like, Seriously. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, and, 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 and I think what you're talking about, Don, is, is, you know, that's somewhat what we ran into. You know, we ordered salad from a pizza place and they called us back and said, we're canceling your order. We have no salad. Yeah. They can't get you know, They're dealing with perishable stuff. You know, Bobby, the th nice thing is, is Jansan dealers don't deal with perishable stuff like this. So supplies are something you can stockpile, but that's still a challenge. Yeah, but again, it comes, it comes it, supplies are moving. They just have different lead times. And part of that is, is uh, goes back to the distributor again. To if, if a lead time goes from typically seven to 10 days to now it's 20 to 30 days, um, you know, we have computers and sophisticated purchasing people who can figure out that they need to have more inventory for that. But that, but as Don was saying, there's a lot of other factors because pricing is uh, usually driving it. It's not that sometimes you can't get it. It's sometimes the price point has uh, um, some manufacturers are adding on a little bit more than the inflation and, um, and trying to take advantage and profitize in what they feel is in, in, um, going to be a bad economy. So if you're if you're trying to get what you can get right now, and I would I would the manufacturers I speak to tell me that they have more business than they can they're turning business away still. So you know you got to add all that up, supply and demand, why their pricing is going up, why they feel they can add on a little bit more than what the actual inflation is. Those are all things we have to combat as distributors and help bring to the uh, market correctly. Well, they're also monetizing the mania. I mean, people hear all in the news, there's shortages, this, shortages of that. And manufacturers are no different than anybody else. They're going to make a profit when they can, and they're going to raise prices when they can. It's it's just typical. But we have to, like you said, we have to educate them. I think it's it's an education. But we've been dealing for many years with just-in-time inventory scenario. We, we built a, an entire industry around that, um, you know, cross-stocking and all the stuff that they had for just-in-time inventories. And... Folks like Amazon do a pretty good job of that, but in general, most of the rest of the distribution base out there can't handle just in time because we don't know what time the other guy is working on. We know what our time frame is, but we don't know what theirs is. So it, it's going to be a challenge to go adjust that. Like you said, purchasing has got to be on their toes and stay up with all the different manufacturers. And if you're purchasing for a Jansan house or you're, or you're purchasing for a, a, a custodial house, whichever, uh, you gotta, you gotta make sure your supplier can have it when you need it, and then forecast that, forecast it, and try to get ahead of it. That's what I'm trying to get all my customers to do is to, if they haven't forecasted and they don't know what that looks like, then I'm trying to educate them. Here, here's what your normal weekly, monthly, yearly usage is. Let's let's forecast what you think you're going to need based on what your situation is. Right. Javier, you know, the thing is, is, you know, customers uh, come out to you. I had a building service contractor that walked in here on a Friday morning about this time of the day and mm -hmm. said the uh, customer gave me 48 hours over the weekend to get this marble floor, you know, uh, remove the thin set and the adhesive and polished marble floor. What can you do? Uh, you know, there, there's, there's not a way to stockpile everything. But from a, a building service contractor's point, these are challenges that you've got to try to be prepared for as well, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you, you know, you, you have to try to, <clears throat> I don't want to say be ahead of the, the, the game, but 
Um, it, you do. I mean, it, especially you have to know what kind of job you're getting involved in and what you're and and and, and honestly be frank with your client, you know, and like um, like Don was saying and Bobby were saying, I mean, another thing in particular is especially what Don was saying is substituting a product that may not be available, but that will come out and will will work for that person and will create the same effect that they're looking for where you're not going to promise them that you use the product that you used before it may not be available and or overly expensive like don said so you know it, it's preparing the individual but i think a lot of that comes the security comes with that is being able to make that clear and make it very clear before you find yourself into any trouble you know with with, with uh, doing like that and, and not give false expectations that's another thing you know a, a lot of people get themselves in trouble and i've noticed that from our side on the bsc side uh, uh, competitors of ours that we have talked to other people before and they did not go with those other companies that went with us, for example, is because they said, well, Javier, look, they told me that they were going to be here such day, such day, and they were going to do this. And then they told me a couple of hours before they were going to come out that the product was no longer available and that, I, you know, I'm going to, there's a two week back order on it or I'm going to have to wait, but I got to have these floors done in the next four or five days. Well, I would come out and say, listen, I can't promise that I'm going to do anything different than they did. But one thing I won't do to you as an example is that I'm not going to bamboozle you. I'm not going to lie to you and say, hey, I'm going to make these promises and I can't I can't come through with them. I'm just going to try to use the the materials or we would try to use the materials in the, in the procedures that we have on hand to be able to solve your problem in a timely fashion. If then it's not possible, it's you got to be honest with people. That's all, you know. That's it. I'm going to go back to um, the the issue of, of uh, technology here just a little bit in a way. You know, I got a, an email from some people, and they were trying to get me to uh, talk with them on a podcast about a self-sanitizing baby-changing table station. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, you know we've got... I mean, you know, I understand technology and everything, but, you know, this is a baby changing table that when you close it, the UV light's supposed to kill everything. Uh, these two ladies uh, saw the challenge, um, built a company around the fact that they could do this, got with technology using ultraviolet light to uh, do this. Uh, gentlemen, do you have any thoughts about these self-sanitizing surfaces not just particularly this one but but any of those well i mean i, I think it's well, a great it idea you know as, as far as you know uh you know it minimizes the use of of, of, of you know product and, and chemical and, and and things like that i mean especially if you're using the technology part of it like you said david ultraviolet light uh, waves on it um I can see where it may be a little bit of a challenge to possibly convince the would-be, you know, company or person that's going to purchase this item. But then again, that falls back on a lot of different things. You know, they they want to say, well, how do I know that this baby, you know, this machine or whatever, how do we know the germs are really being killed? Although it is ultraviolet, right? But I want to see somebody actually physically wiping it down with a product and chemical and that that sort of thing. So I can yeah, see because it's not a it's not a self-cleaning unit, so right, yeah, exactly. So you got to clean it, you sanitize it. So, yeah, that's, that's what I was going with. I, I, I sitting there thinking, okay, 
I always like to figure out why does this come about? Why does this product come to, to market? Well, two ladies went in, they had their kids with them, and they wanted to change their baby on the baby changing table. They, they pull it down from the wall, and it's filthy. So they start talking about it. One thing leads to another. They get an idea. We can sanitize this thing. Well, that's great. But who's going to clean the crap off the, the table before you get there? I mean, the sanitizing table is, is fine. It probably works as far as the sanitation part. <laughs> we still have, like you said, we have to clean it. Why not just put a little bucket of wipes there, even if you have to lock them into some kind of a fixture, and have it ready for folks to wipe it off themselves so they can do their own cleaning and be assured that they now know it has been cleaned before they play, lay their precious little one down on this table. <laughs> I mean, trusting a sanitation light, I, I'm not going there either. It, 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 anytime you kind of circumvent the fact that you got to clean something, it gets challenging. Funniest thing I saw this week, a buddy of mine sent me a thing. You guys may have seen it. It gets kind of weird. There's some company out there now making a toilet roll of towel that can be re washed and reused. Instead of paper, it comes off as a, as a roll of cloth, I think. I didn't even see the whole it, it was so bizarre to me. I was like, seriously, somebody came up with it. <laughs> Recycled toilet towel is basically the way I would put it. It was, a, it was literally a roll of paper. The size of a roll of towel, the size of a toilet paper. Now, people are sitting around trying to be creative about this, but it all boils down to you can't beat the old school way of doing things. You know, uh, the days are the best way to go. But who knows? You know, it's, it's just people are just trying to find things to sell. They come up with an idea and they're smoking joints or doing whatever. And they're going, yeah, this is great. Let's let's go to market with this. <laughs> I just don't get it. It <laughs> can't be basics. You got to clean stuff. You got to clean the stuff. Now, Don, if that if that baby cleaning station came up and cleaned itself, well, I knew that it opened up a can of worms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then it sanitized itself, and it and, and you can see it do like a dishwasher. It down, blows it dry, yeah. sanitize it. Yeah, I'm all in. It work. How many people use those stations? First of all, let's do it to the toilets and urinals and other fixtures that are more touched by anybody in the place. Let's go with the high priority places first. We don't even do those properly. Now we have clean baby stations. Don't lay your baby on there. Clean it off yourself. I'm, most women I know who have kids carry a box of wipes or a packet of wipes in their purse just for that reason. I'm sorry. We get crazy. Well, what a, what a discussion over that, that one brought up. <laughs> goes down a pathway for us. You know, we're toilet paper. Just, <laughs> we sell toilet paper. I tell people all that. What do you do? Well, for you know, I got... <laughs> Yeah, I I, I got to tell you, uh, I don't know about it, uh, folks. If you're if you're watching, uh, we're having a little bit of uh, uh, internet uh, issues, so I'm not sure how this is all going to come out in the wash. But uh, Bobby, you you know you're uh, you're quite a reader. You read a lot. Um, I don't do so much reading, Doctor Seuss. Um, you 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 wrote. You've read some books lately? Um, yeah. Actually, if you're looking for a book recommendation, I'd recommend Cameron Haynes' book, Endure. If you're looking for a book that will make you uh, feel like you're not getting it done, this guy gets it done. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you read that book, Don? I've heard about it. Some buddies of mine said I should read it. I'm, I'm, it's on my list to get. Yeah. yeah, it'll make you feel lazy. Yeah, that's what I heard. I'm not sure I want to read that. No, it's crazy enough as it is. Great. That would be my recommendation this month. 
be something you can put in your, your podcast, Dave. Recommendations for good reading, educations, etc. Yeah, like a book of the month. Book of the month, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or podcast of the month. Or you know, if you put if you promote on your podcast other podcasts, that also gets traction. Find podcasts you like and stick them in there and add them to your thing. It's a networking process. I think we've lost Dave. I want to let you know that we are having two uh, things come up here. Uh, We're going to be running the uh, festival. It's going to be, let me see if I've got that here. Well, I thought I had it here, but maybe not. Anyway, uh, we have a cleaning festivals that are going to be set up for next year. We did a virtual conference a couple months ago in April, and it was well-received. But we're going to have a live conference and cleaning festival here. First one is going to be February the 23rd of 23. So we'd also like for you to subscribe, uh, like our channel. Let me see if I can get that up here for you. Uh, Let's see here. There's the festival, cleaningfestival.com. This will be how that you can get uh, all the information about the festivals we're going to have. Four different shows, four different cities. We're going to have Rockstar Talks. We're going to be recognizing the Rockstar Custodian of the Year for this year, 22. Uh, Anyway, that's coming up in February. We want you to make sure that you go to Beyond Clean with Ace. That's our podcast. So this is just a service of our podcast because, you know what, during the show that we did in uh, April, we had several people that wanted to you'll see a roundtable discussion. So that's what you've just experienced today. Listen to the podcast. We're going to be uh, at the FSPMA show and also at the MSPA show, uh, both of those in September. Our next show here on on, uh, Talking Clean in a Dirty World is going to be around August the 15th. Uh, We're going to see how this one goes and let you know. So if you don't mind, here's my personal email address. If you have a thought or a comment, you like the show, you want to see something different, please like, subscribe, share, comment, all of our stuff. You can find us at this hashtag here, hashtag Academy of Clean, everything that we do and what we need uh, to, to make it a clean world. We thank you for being here with us and uh, hopefully you come back and see us again.